So now we're going to hop right into it. You know, after sessions like that, it's just good to ask some questions, dialogue. That's one of the biggest ways that I learned personally. And we literally have some of the best leadership that I've known and been experienced right here in our house. We are so blessed. So can we just thank Pastor and Lindsay for who they are, for being faithful, for being a good, solid model? Oh, seriously, seriously. We are so blessed. So blessed. They live this. It's not just talk. They walk the walk. And so um, start at the top. What do you think are some of the most overrated and underrated aspects of leadership when it comes to ministry? Man, right after lunch? (laughs) (laughs) Overrated and underrated? Yep. I think talent is overrated. I really do. I think talent is overrated. I think we, we... we jump to conclusions on people's talents without really testing their character. You know, I'd rather have someone with character that can work on their talent than someone who's talented but lacks the character to sustain where they are and to keep them where they need to be. And I think we live in a society where people are just quickly on the surface. You know, if I can even make an observation of the political climate. It's like, we're so quick to look at a Saul, but David was in the field. And the Bible even says Saul looked apart, and David didn't. But then God says, I'm after someone who's after my heart. So when they came to anoint the next king, David wasn't even in the room because he didn't look apart. But Samuel, who was in tune with the Spirit of God, says, is this everybody? You know, and, and, and remember what God said when they anointed Saul. He said to Samuel, he says, remember, they're not rejecting you. They rejected me because they rather have the looks than to have the heart. So I would think that's what I think about when I think about leadership. It's, I think we overstimulate talent. And sometimes we're putting people in places that it's not going to sustain them because they never had the character for it, you know. So that's what I would say. And I don't know, what was the second part of that question? That was underrated. What's underrated? Yep. Character. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And one of the things that you always say is, I'm concerned with finishing well. I'm concerned with going the distance. And one of the things that I feel personally can be swept under the rug is, like you said, just sitting with being bored, being content, and falling in love with the mundane, the day to day grind. And in that, sometimes we can discredit that God wants to use me. Who I am, what's in me is brought to the table as individuals, but together. And you remember we were talking um, about the spirit life, spirit-filled life. We had that entire series. And one of the things that you said is spirit-filled individuals make a spirit-filled community. And as leaders, who we are is what sets the tone for the team, for the church, for the community, and what God wants to do through us. And so why is it, and can you speak to the truth of who we are is what God uses? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I, I think I, well, let me just let them know. We meet every week mm-hmm. for an hour, and we talk about leadership. We talk about the church. We talk about life, you know, because I care about you as an individual, not what you can do. Mm. So we always start with, how's your family? Right. right? How's your marriage? 
how's the little guy? Because he's the highlight, <laughs> honestly. Um, I say that because that's the, I, I hope that that's the type of church we want to build that starts at home. And so who I am at home goes with me, you know? So to me, if I can be real at home, then I can be real anywhere, mm-hmm. right? Because the people closest to me have to be able to say amen when I'm preaching. I want my kids to say amen when I'm preaching because I want them to know that this is real. You know what I mean? And it's it's the greatest joy of my life to see my kids see that it's real. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because what would be the point of fooling all these people and my kids are not into it? You know? So to me, it's like, let God use the real you. And the real you is what no one sees when you're not on the platform. And how much we talk about this every week. And I've been trying to do my best to drill on you to embrace the mundane because we live in a society that loves flash. You know, we love hype, you know. Uh, we love what we can project. You know, we love social media. We love what looks good. I'd rather focus on what you don't see because that's what's going to sustain me for the long term. Um, you know, I started this when I was 20 years old. Now I'm 42, you know. And so my concern now is I want to finish well. You know, like I'm not 20 anymore. I'm not 25 anymore. I have, I've gone to a place in my life now that I have nothing to prove, mm. you know? So it's like, how can I finish? Well, I, I've joked about this, but I hope that God allows me to be a grandfather one day, rocking PJs, <laughs> you know, and, and playing with my grandkids, with my integrity, with my character, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so to me, it's like if we can embrace who we are at home, and embrace the day-to-day, and not get caught up on the hype, mm-hmm. not get caught up on flash. Anyone could build something for a couple of days. Right, right. You know, I will hope we can build something that our kids could run with someday. You know, so I, I do a lot of that, like, if you know me personally, I mean, we spend a lot of time together, you know, I talk about that all the time. You know, like, go to Fall River and fall in love with the people, and fall in love with the, just the mundane, meeting with people, talking with people, praying with people, and not wait till you get to preach again. You know what I mean? Um, so, again, that's something that you do. Like, I talk to the young adults about this. Like, I love that book, Anonymous, because of that equation, that an iceberg, you only see 10% of it, but the other 90 is what you don't see. Yeah. And so, to me, a life, the hidden life of what you do behind the scenes, it's what gives you that 10% of the platform. Because what people see me doing here is only 10%. Mm. You know, it's the 90% that allows me to do what I do and we always say that it's, the, it's your privacy with the Lord that gives you this, the power to do what you do publicly. You know? So I think just building your inner life and building your, your relationship with him. Because sooner or later, something's going to give in your public life if you don't have a solid private life. So I think that's what God uses, the real you. And then he takes your personality, he takes your quirkiness, he takes your weirdness, and he says, I can use that, as opposed to trying to mimic something or somebody else, you know? And for a lot of us, you know, coming, being probably new believers, or we haven't been in church that long, um, it can be hard sometimes to understand that Jesus wants all of me all of my life. It's easy to put things into compartments and different categories. And sometimes, especially being in leadership or in a crew or running a team, it's easy to have faith for my ministry and what Jesus wants to do on a Sunday morning, but then we go to work on Monday and then we go back home and it's just like, oh snap, 
Jesus, you want to work here too? Right. And there could be a disconnect there, you know? Yeah. So can you speak to that where it's just like don't have more? It's like, um, and we were actually talking about this this past week, where it's just like we can be fighting battles for government and politics and all that stuff, which is like, hey, what about your home? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we're getting prayer changes. Like, hey, we need a war. It's just like, hey, what about your cousin? You know what right. I mean? Your coworker. And so it's just like how can we bridge the gap between it's just like, yes, we want to be people of faith, especially in ministry, but our ministry is our life. Can you speak to that? Well, first of all, there's no word for spiritual in the Bible. Mm. The Hebrew, they don't have a word for spiritual. Like if you go to a, a, an Orthodox Jew and you say, how is your personal relationship with the Lord? They'd be like, what are you talking about? Mm. For them, everything is spiritual. Right? We're in America, because we're in the West, we love to, to have compartments and departments and personalized things. Mm. But in the East, everything is community-based. So that means, like, God is a community, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when God says, let us make man in our image and likeness, he was saying, like, let them be like us, always thinking about the greater good, always thinking about everybody else. Um, and so it's like we have to just learn to eliminate those things that God never put a department there, you know? So if I can do that, like I said, if I can, if I can be who I am at home, why can't I be a, at work? Right, right. And why can't I be one at the gym, you know? That's why, to me, it's like it never made sense that people would say, oh, you can't do that in church. It's like, well, you can do that at home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it makes no sense to me because, to me, church is where I am. You know, I am, the Bible says I am the carrier of the Holy Spirit, and I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, so, uh, to me, 3 a.m. or 3 p.m., it's the same person. And that's what the word integrity means, is to be whole, to be one. You know, and I think the Lord wants us to be one. Again, we have creative spiritual departments but the lord never did right. you know that's why we talk a lot about like you're the priest who is the priest who wants who represents god you know in the old testament he said i'm going to start with a group of people called the levites but then he said but the goal was never to stay there it was like almost like he took the levites and says let's show them what we want all of them to be so we get to the new testament he says now you're all priests right all of you represent me you know in your own way in your own rights starting again at home so I think it's just understanding that reality that, that there are no departments. God doesn't look down and goes, hey, how's your church life? You know, just God looks at you as, as, a, as a one person. Right. You know, that happens to go to church, who happens to work at uh, McDonald's, who happens to have three kids, who happens to have a business, who, who happens to go to the gym. You know what I mean? Like, right. So wherever I am, God is there with me. And the more I can see myself whole, then the more I'm going to see God work in everything that I am, in everything that I do. What is the key to having tough decisions and tough conversations? Well, you've heard me say this so many times, but you, you can't be a leader if you're not willing to have tough conversations. You know, when I go to ALC, I always talk about that, right, to our potential ministry leaders. It's like, if all you want to do is preach and lead worship, you're not a leader. You just want a platform. Um, leaders are going to have to deal with tough things. And I always think about it this way, like, because I, I, I don't always hear God, you know me, like I'm not the God told me. But I, I hear the nudging of the Spirit saying, what do I need you for if you're not going to have that conversation? You know what I mean? Like, what do I need you for? Just to look good? Just to have a title? You know? But like I talked about earlier, like, we're in solution mode. So even the tough conversations I'm going into, we're praying that there is a solution, that there is a better thing that we can do here. 
And honestly, I, I probably average one or two tough conversations a week. It's like inevitable to have a church this big and I have problems and I have issues and I have things that we have to deal with. Like I said, just, just last Saturday, we had a really ugly situation that we need to step up and make decisions that I knew, okay, this is tough, but we have to make these decisions because I think the leader should always think about the good of the community. Not how good he's going to look. You know what I mean? And sometimes you make tough choices that only time will tell if it was the right decision. But you have to trust that God's going to help you in those decision making. So I invite him into every conversation. You know, Pastor was talking about that earlier. I really do. I like, God, I'm going into this thing. And I want to ask you for your favor, for your wisdom. Because this is a, this is a really tough one. You know, but there's no avoiding that if we want to lead. You can't have a good marriage if you can't have tough conversations. Right? Like, sometimes in marriage, you gotta, you got to go there to resolve something. If not, there's a tension in your marriage. You can tell. Like, it feels weird. Right? Like, the, the older your kids get, the more tough conversations you're going to have to have. You know? Like, I'm, I'm going to have two teenagers soon. I'm talking about tough conversations. You know? That's coming. You know, so there's no avoiding them. I think you just have to embrace that reality and invite the Holy Spirit into them. And something that you make clear all the time is that we're human beings, not human doings. And we can get so caught up in what we're doing, what we're projecting, what we look like, how we're sizing up to other people. What is the key to just being still and being confident in who God created me to be and how I bring unique value? So therefore, we're not in competition. I don't got to look to my left or to my right, but I can be confident and stay in my lane. Well, again, I think it goes back to the reality that the most important thing I think God wants is for us to know him and to commune with him and to have a relationship with him. So to me, it's, that's the baseline, right? Like God, God created me to have a relationship with him. So you don't have a relationship with someone unless you spend time with them, you know? And I, don't, I, I, I think I've shared this before. When I got saved, my conviction was if this is real, then I need to know everything I can about this Jesus, so I think it's cultivating that every single day, you know, um, and being with him every single day and sit down and saying, this, like, this is a sacred time. I think even that has to be scheduled. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes I tell people, like, they're like, can we meet at a certain time? I look at my thing. I'm like, that's my, I don't tell people this, but it's like, that's my one-on-one time with God. I'm not going to violate that. Mm-hmm. So it's like protecting that, protecting the fact that I need to spend time with Jesus if I'm going to be effective. I believe I cannot be effective if I'm not spending time with Jesus, you know? And I have this fear of God. I want to talk about the fear of the Lord probably next week because I've been sensing this. Like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, like, how can I preach if I don't have that? You know, like, this is serious. Like, that's why I don't take lightly saying things like God told me because it's like, yeah, that's a serious, I better be sure that this is God, you know, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Like, I have to answer to him. You know, so I take that very serious. Like, just that daily sacred time with the Lord, to me, affects how I am a father, how I am a husband, a friend, a pastor, um, a human being. You know, so it's cultivating that intimacy, sitting with the Lord and letting him speak to us. Because prayer is two-way, right? It's not just saying what you want to say, but learning to sit and try to listen to the voice of the Lord through the word, you know. Or just just sitting and being still. Absolutely.